would be in vain. Let's pray. Father, we again thank you for your word that we hold in our hands that was preserved for us so that, Father, it could guide us and help us on our journey. And Lord, as we talk about a topic today, uh, the topic of struggle, the topic of pain, the topic of, uh, Lord, I didn't see that coming. And how do we live in that, Lord? I pray, God, you would give um, people the ability to hear and listen carefully to what uh, your word is saying. And then minds, God, that we can comprehend even in our own context as we wrestle with the thing we wrestle with. And, and then, Lord, you would um, just give it passion, Lord, that we would live out of these truths for your honor and for your glory. God, do in our hearts, because we're willing to hear what your Spirit says to us. Do a work. The only way we can explain it today is, God, you did it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Well, just to kind of give you a sense that this idea of affliction is um, true to the text, I want to uh, remind you of uh, some of the, um, uh, the words where it is used even in these verses. And remember, that word afflicted, we talked about it in week one of this book. The word afflicted is, was the picture of a grape that's being squished to the place that it would burst. And, and so that's the picture. That's the weight of what's going on in uh, these people's lives. We <clears throat> first see it in chapter 1 and verse 6. You became imitators of us and the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction. You received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And over in chapter 3 and verse 3, so that no one be moved by these afflictions. And down at the next verse, for when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, pressure, pressure on you so that in any human sense you would burst. You couldn't handle it. Another word you see in this text is the word suffer. Chapter 2 and verse 2. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. And down in verse 14. For you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. And down in chapter 3 and verse 4, um, beforehand that we were to suffer affliction. Uh, even to another point, Paul says in chapter 2 and uh, verse 17, he says, but since we were torn away from you, brothers. See, there's a battle that's going on. And it's there for everyone. Other words that you would hear describing the same idea would be words like trials or temptations. Temptations in Scripture were not always about temptation to sin. A temptation has in its Greek roots that idea of, of a trial. Um, the word conflict or pain or testing. And testing would come to uh, prove by trial faithfulness in God's working and to grow us up. And all of this is uh, what's going on with these people in Thessalonica. And Paul and the Thessalonians are dealing with it all of the time. And as he writes to them, he's concerned for them. He's concerned that these new believers in their walk with God, that they're holding up that they're okay in what's going on. He's concerned about their faith. Um, he's concerned that they wouldn't be tempted and, and drawn away in verse 5 for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in, a, in vain. So affliction is coming. If you don't have it right now, it's coming. And so some principles we want to take a look at that come right out of the text. Now here's the first principle I want you to see. Affliction is coming. Affliction is coming. We live in a world that's filled with sin. 
And sin has consequences. And the consequences of sin are not just for unbelievers. Uh, they fall on all of us. In Matthew chapter uh, 5, verse 45, it talks about the rains fall on the just and the unjust. Difficult times are not just for unbelievers. And so for the person who tries to sell you a bill of goods that says, you just trust Jesus and you just have enough faith and everything's going to be fine. You're going to have a three-car garage. You're going to have a pool in the backyard. You're going to have a Lamborghini or a Cadillac, depending on what you prefer. You're going to have a cottage up north. You're going to spend three months every winter. You just name it and claim it and it's all coming your way. That's bunk. It's not found in the scripture, and it's just not true. Life is hard. And Paul is trying to help these young believers who are standing in their faith and who are struggling with difficult things to stand well and to bring glory to God in their lives. Proverbs 17 and verse 3 says, The crucible is for silver, and the furnace is for gold, and the Lord tests hearts. Affliction, testing, trial, they come. And through them we see the purity of our faith and the working of God in our lives. And so this picture in here of the silver and the gold is, is taking them and putting them in the melting pot and putting the heat to it. Uh, the picture of gold, gold melts at about 2,000 degrees. And so it takes a lot of heat. But when the heat happens and everything melts down, the dross then floats to the top and they, they can skim it off so what's left is pure. Well, that's what happens in the trial. The trial is our, our testing. It's the putting on of the heat heat so that we can become pure. So there's four things I want you to see about these afflictions. Affliction is coming in under it. Four things. Here's the, right out of the text, here's what Paul says. Number one, when affliction comes, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Look at verse three. That no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. Don't be surprised. You know, you study all through the scripture, you see the struggles that came on the Bible characters that, that we look at and we study and we see and we see how they struggled. We see how they faltered, but we see how they grew. Uh, we see it in the life of Joseph. Joseph is taken by his brothers. He's thrown into a pit and then uh, sold into Egypt and false charges are brought against him and then, and then he's put in prison and at the end, God works all of this through and at the end with his brothers, he can say, you meant it for evil but God meant it for good. Hey, that guy understood affliction. He understood trial. He understood it's coming. Job lost everything, including his health, but he wouldn't curse God. Don't be surprised when affliction comes. Abraham and Sarah wanted to have children and they couldn't have children and they wondered and all the rest of it. They, they faced their affliction. Maybe, maybe your affliction's around that right now. But they faced it. Ruth lost her husband. Gideon faced a massive army. Jeremiah was to deliver a difficult message that would not be believed. Stephen was stoned to death for his flesh. And Paul had a thorn in the flesh that three times this affliction he had, he said to the Lord, please take it away. Please take it away. Please take it away. And God said, no, I'm not taking it away. You're going to have it for the rest of your life. And you're going to have it so you don't become arrogant. You're going to have it so you don't become proud. You're going to have this. See, the reality is, Affliction comes to everyone. Don't be surprised. James 1, 2 to 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, 
when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. 1 Peter 4, 12 to 19 says, Beloved, do not be surprised by the fiery trial when it comes to you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also um, excuse me, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of, of, of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Struggle is coming. Trial is coming. Affliction is coming. It's universal. Everybody's going to get it. It's really a question of how you're going to handle it. And when it comes, whatever the Lord allows and whatever the Lord brings to you, how will you live for the glory of God? Because all of God's children will face trials. I remember uh, back in 1995, Sue was uh, uh, hit by a car in a parking lot and uh, was put in the hospital, uh, broke her pelvis and crushed the bottom part of her leg and was, was airlifted down to Toronto and um, spent a month in the hospital. And I remember while we were in Toronto one day, I went into the hospital to visit her, and uh, I went every day, by the way, just so, not just one day. Okay. <laughs> I just don't want you coming afterwards and go, what, you only went once? No, every day I went, okay. One day I went into the hospital, and she said this. She says, I'm not sure what the Lord's trying to teach me, but I want to learn it the first time. Right? It was a trial. It was a trial for us. I'm not sure what the Lord's trying to teach me, but I want to learn it the first time. Sometimes we try and get out from underneath the trials. That's a really bad plan because now you're going to live it and try and get out from underneath it. And because you didn't learn the lesson, you're going to live it again. Right? If the Lord's teaching you something through your trial, not sure what he's trying to teach me, but I want to learn it and I want to do it right the first time. So when trials come, don't be surprised. That's the first thing. The next thing's right in the text is don't be moved. Don't be moved. Look at uh, verse 3, uh, that no one be moved by these afflictions. So what did that mean for them? Well, when, when the trial comes and you're in the middle of it, whatever your trial is, uh, don't be moved means don't get off target. Don't get off target. Don't lose focus. You're walking in the Lord when things are going along well and everything seems to be good. Small group is wonderful. I get to church. I read my Bible. I, I pray every day. And, and their life is just sweet. And then the trial comes and those things start to, where did that all go? In the trial, don't lose focus. In the trial, don't take your eyes off of the target, the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be moved means lean in. Don't lean out. You ever get discouraged? You ever get frustrated? You ever face the trial and in the middle of the trial you found it's like a lot harder to get up and go to church than it was when everything was great? 
small group is like, ah, I don't know, we'll just miss small group this week. Or, you know, I, I, I used to do my devotions every day, but now I'm in the midst of the trial, and I, um, yeah, I just read my Bible once in a while, and I, you know, I don't pray like I used to, and I, I, I used to lean in and allow people to speak into my life, and now I'm just kind of backing out like this, and See, uh, Paul was pretty good about this. He said, don't be surprised. Uh, don't be moved. Don't be moved. Keep your focus. Stay on target. Don't lean out. Lean in. So in this, after don't be moved, here's the third thing he talked to them about. He goes, uh, don't be tempted. So don't be surprised. Don't be moved. Don't be tempted. Look at verse 5. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Paul was concerned that the pressure they were under that would make them spiritually burst that the temptation of that would cause them to take their eyes off of the Lord and all of the work that they had done, all of the faithful service that had done, all the work that people had done to try and disciple them would have been a waste of time because of temptation in the trial. And let me tell you, when you're in the trial, temptation comes in all kinds of different ways. I wrote down a bunch this week as I was thinking about it. Um, when I'm tempted in the trial, um, I begin to permit, to permit bad attitudes in my heart. When the trial comes, I just find my attitude starts to stink about things. You know, when we were in high school working at camp, we used to have this thing, we called it a DRA. Somebody's having a bad day, they're having a DRA, which meant a dirty, rotten attitude. And uh, watch to make sure that you're not getting a DRA because of the things that you're going through. And your attitude, it just really starts to stink about things. You now find yourself complaining about things you never complained about before. You got no patience. You just, you just, this attitude of yours has just gone sideways. And, and it's really coming out of the, the trial that you're in. The temptation can be the, you know, you know what, I deserve this. I deserve to be able to feel like this because what's, it's not fair. And uh, you might find yourself with a bad attitude. You might find yourself becoming impatient with other people around you, people that you were long-suffering with before. You're no longer long-suffering with anymore. And, and it's because of this burden you're carrying and the trial you're facing and, and you're taking it out on other people and you've become impatient or you've become angry. Um, when, when I drive up too close to you going down McCowan in the morning, you're about to have a road rage case on me because, because of your anger that's built up. And, it, and you're like, where did, where did that? I wasn't like that two months ago. I wasn't like that three weeks ago. Where did that come from? And, and when you really look at it, it's because you're going through a hard thing and, and you find yourself becoming angry or bitter. Or bitterness is just starting to get a root inside of you and Hurting other people becomes easy to do. Or, or maybe um, the temptation for you is to become envious. Why does everybody else have a better life than mine? Uh, even my unsafe, for Pete's sake, Lord, even my unsaved friends have got it better than me. And you're envious of them. Be careful. Careful you don't let that temptation brew up inside of you. You begin to question God. You could begin to doubt his love. You begin to wonder if he's as good a God as the Bible really says he is. Be careful that in the midst of the hardship you're going through, 
that your view of God is skewed because of your hardship and you've taken your eyes off of him and you're putting your eyes on yourself and your own circumstances and how you can handle these things. Maybe the uh, temptation is to develop some bad habits and bad habits begin for you. Um, I wrote it this way. Watch for the disintegration of the little things in your life. They're not little in the end, but they start out as little things. I, I don't read the Word like I used to read the Word. I, I don't pray like I used to pray. I, I don't find getting to church all that important anymore. I, a small group, yeah, if I get there, I get there. If I don't, yeah, they'll, they'll live without me. And um, I find I'm not communicating with other people about the struggle I have so that nobody knows I'm keeping things secret. And, 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 and a walk with the Lord that was strong and moving forward, you're, you're in the middle of this thing and you've become all private and nobody knows and it's the disintegration of these little things that are happening in your life when you're going through the difficult time watch out for the disintegration of the little things and bad habits I'm not fellowshipping with other Christians like I used to I wrote down this as the last one you become comfortable being away from God it just becomes easy I, I and and I deserve to feel like this because it's difficult. Hey, trials come for everyone. Don't be surprised. Don't be moved. And don't let temptation take your eyes off of the Lord. And then a bonus point here is um, look to our example. You notice when I went through um, all of the people who suffered, I, I didn't mention Jesus. See, for all the uh, name it and claim it and God gives you whatever you want in your life uh, kind of people, not, again, not in the Word, they never studied Jesus. We have Jesus, God, in heaven. He was afflicted. He was shamed. The Lord Jesus in heaven, he's got it all, and he sets that aside so that he can come to earth. That's a pretty good downgrade. And he comes to earth and he's born as a baby and he grows up as a child and he is, um, uh, people calling him out all of the time. His own family said they thought he was crazy and, and then Jesus Christ goes to a cross and he dies for us. See, he understood affliction. Here's the difference. The affliction that we have, we deserve. It's a result of sin. It's a result of sinfulness in our world. It's a result of, well, oftentimes, the thing we're tried with or tested with is because of things we do. Jesus Christ, his affliction 100% is put on him because of you and because of me. He didn't deserve any of it. He didn't deserve any of the hardship. And he took it all. When we are afflicted, we need to uh, get our eyes and look at on, on Jesus Christ as our example. Hebrews 12, 1 to 4 is an amazing passage about this. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance, we don't give up, the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despite Despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, Jesus, who endured for sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. When you are afflicted, 
Look at Jesus Christ. And remember what he did for you. And remember what he accomplished for you. And remember the hope as a follower of Jesus Christ you have of eternal life because of what he has done. See, if you're here today and you're a follower of Christ, we have this great hope. And we have this helper, the Holy Spirit, to guide us and help us and lead us through the dark days and the difficult times when we truly are afflicted and when we are tried. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came and was afflicted for us, offers to you the gift of eternal life. He suffered affliction and pain so that you don't have to suffer the ultimate affliction and pain of separation from God for eternity. And he did all of that for us as the perfect sacrifice and he offered it to us as a gift. God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have an everlasting life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world, you and I, could be set free through Jesus Christ. God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. See, all of that, he suffered all of that affliction for you. He suffered all that affliction for me. And then he offered it. He just gave all of the benefit of it to us as a gift. And he just said, believe and you'll be saved. That's a transfer of your trust. It's putting your trust in what Jesus Christ did instead of what I think I can do. It's, it's, a, it's a prayer of faith. I believe that I'm messed up and I can't fix it and sin separates me from God and I can only be made right with God through the work of Jesus Christ. You've never trusted Christ. Believe the working of Jesus Christ today and you'll be saved. Hey, church, affliction is coming. It's coming. Don't be surprised. Don't lose your focus. And don't be tempted. Here's the second principle. Afflictions have purpose. There's purpose in affliction. There's a bunch of different ones. And Sue and I talked to a person last night, and they were asking, well, how do I know what the purpose of my affliction is? How do I know? Well, you seek the Lord. If the purpose of the affliction you're in is sin, it's being used to draw you to a place of repentance and turning and getting right to a, right to a good place again. And, but there's other reasons other than sin why we could be afflicted. Um, sometimes uh, we're afflicted just to reveal what's truly inside of us. The Lord needs to do some work and something in your heart needs to be revealed. And so a hard time will come because when it came, what came out was like, oh my goodness, where did that come from? And it really revealed your heart. So sometimes when a trials come, when afflictions come, they come to reveal what's really inside of us. Sometimes uh, the, the afflictions come to correct us. I'm moving down. I'm making some choices. I'm moving down a wrong path. And, and you need to kick up the side of the head. And, and it comes in a form of correction. And so now you're in the midst of this thing because God is correcting you. See, when Sue asked the question, I'm not sure what the Lord's trying to teach me, but I want to learn it the first time. She was in the middle of trying to figure that out. Well, what is it? If you were to ask her today, well, what was it? I don't think she could tell you. But she learned some amazing lessons in the midst of it. But sometimes God is correcting us. And, and you know right now the affliction you're under, the consequences of things you have done. And there's correction going on by God. And 
You need to stop resisting that correction and you need to trust him and get right and confess and move forward. Correction, sometimes it's pruning. Sometimes God is just developing us, making us uh, into the image of Christ. That's one of the reasons we have trials so that we would be like Christ. And it can come through pruning. It hurts. But it's for, your, it's for God's glory and it's for your good and God is pruning you. Sometimes affliction or trial comes to strengthen us so that we learn the word we saw in some of the verses, that we'd be steadfast or that we would endure. Uh, maybe to be strengthened is why you're going through what you're going through. Uh, maybe it's to grow, to grow you up in Christ. In 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, it says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Sometimes our testing comes to prove that our faith is real. That's what Paul's saying to them, the fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor had been in vain. It was, it's so that we see that our faith is real. Trials also come to remind us that God's not leaving us. They come so that we learn to trust him and we see and we remember and we're thankful to the Lord. And other words, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Or Isaiah 55, 8 to 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. See, what God is doing in pruning or correcting and helping you, you may not be able to understand it clearly now. The things that we've gone through in our lives and uh, when you're going through them, it's like, well, will this ever be over? And when it's done, it's like, I, I am so thankful for what I've learned, and I wouldn't trade that lesson for anything. Um, and so in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heaven are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Um, reminds us that God is in control. He's not leaving us. He's not forsaking us. See, affliction, trial, the pain, the suffering, it all has a purpose. Ultimately, the purpose would be that we would glorify God all the way through it and in the midst of it that, that God would get the glory. But there's purpose to our trials. Which brings us to the third principle. In the, so how do I stand in the midst of affliction? Standing when I am afflicted. How do we do it? What makes us different than the rest of the world? Why is being in Christ so important for us as we go through this? I think there's some hints that Paul lays out as he helps us to consider this, but to stand when I am afflicted, I need Here's some things that you need. I don't mean need in a selfish way. I need this, I need this, I need, I don't mean like that. I mean, like, this is what you really need so that you can stand when the difficult time comes. And Paul gives some hints in the text. The first one is, I need love and I need care. I look at verse I'm 18 of chapter 2. 
because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. I, I'm, I'm impressed with Paul in all the way through this book, but his, his care for these people and his love for these people. He's going through it, and he's trying to figure out, how can I get down there so I can help these people to go through it as well? He loved them, and he cared for them. And the next thing that builds right out of it was, um, you, you need passionate support. You see it in this verse. You see it also in the next verse, verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not, is it not you? Um, Paul's just passionate about these people. So there's two sides to this coin I want us to see as we go through this part. The first part is what you need. When you're going through difficult times, you need people who are around you who love you, who care for you, who are passionate for you. Uh, people who will tell you the truth, not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. If they believe from God's word, you're being corrected by the Lord, you need to hear that. If you need exhortation or encouragement, you need people around you who will do that. Do you have those people in your life? I've got some people like that in my life when I'm struggling. My wife's first on that line for sure. But other people who, when you're struggling through, they just come alongside and they, but they tell you the truth because they love you, because they care for you, because they're passionate about you. You need followers of Christ who will lead in your life through the word. Around here, we get them in relationship that happens as we get to know each other. We get them in small groups. We get them with people we serve together. We, do you have those people? You need to. You need to just coming and sitting in church and exiting out the door and running home and hoping it all works out well for you is a terrible plan. Um, we need people around us. The flip side of that coin is we also need to be those people. Hey, small group leader, who in your group is going through a trial? And what's God calling you to do to reach out, to encourage, to help, to speak the truth to them? A youth leader with students in your small group and they're going through all kinds of trials and testing and their faith is being pushed to the limit and they need you to love them and care for them and, and to be passionate for them. So, so we need to have that and, and we need to be that as well as followers of Christ. I put the next thing down. You need someone to fight for me. Someone who's going to go the extra mile for me. Uh, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer. So Paul's away from them. He's seeing what's going on. He's struggling with how they're, how they're doing. You know, when I couldn't handle it any longer, he says. We sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith. So this happened when he sent Timothy. They were in Athens. And it, well, you couldn't just climb on a plane and an hour later be there. You couldn't just send a text or a Facebook message and go, how are you guys doing? And you couldn't FaceTime with anybody. He's, he's in Athens and he's like, what's happening to those poor people? Like we, we, we started the church. We were there for three weeks and then we got turfed out of town and now we're in Athens and oh my goodness, what's going on with them? He goes, we couldn't stand it any longer. Sylvanus and Paul and Timothy are together and they go, Timothy, you're going back. You're going back to help them. You're going back to encourage them. See, we need people around us who will stand for us, someone who will fight for us, someone who will go the extra mile for you. Do you have those people in your life? You need to have those people in your life. The Christian life is never designed to live in isolation. It's designed to live in community. And we need people who will spur us on to love and good deeds. And 
If you don't have those people, then get in a small group and get attached with some people. And over time, you'll see that grow and develop and you'll see the love and the passion. And, and are you that kind of person? Are you that kind of person? So it's like, well, okay, church is over. Let's go home, honey. How can we care for each other? How can we see the person around us who is struggling and hurting and reach out and love and meet the need that God would have us, how he would have us work in that? And Paul was fearful about this. He was, he was fearful about what was happening to them. And, and uh, so I wrote down three ways that we can battle fear because we can have that in our lives too. Um, three simple words. One is to look back. It's important as believers that we continually are looking back and taking stock of God's faithfulness and his goodness. See, when you're going through the difficult time, one of the greatest things that will help you is when you can remember, oh yeah, we've been through this, and 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 here's how God worked, and this is what God did, and you got to remember you got to look back, and you got to rejoice, and you've got to be thankful for God's working and His leading and never forgetting what God's done. Uh, you want to battle fear? You battle fear by looking back and remembering God's faithfulness and His goodness and His help in the day of trouble. You need to look back. You need to look up. You need to look up when you're in the middle of the struggle and you're fearful. You, your, your fears get subsided when you start looking up. Looking up is through prayer. Um, it's, it's like, oh, I don't feel like it. I'm, I'm going through it, and I wish I wasn't going through it. You just discipline yourself in prayer. Do the thing God tells you to do, and get on your knees before the Lord, and cry out to Him, and ask Him. You go, but I'm angry. Well, then tell God you're angry. Nothing like put you into humility like, yeah, Lord, guess, Lord, guess what? I'm angry. I'm ticked at you. That's a pretty tough prayer to pray. It usually gives you good perspective in a hurry. But if you need to tell the Lord you're angry, tell the Lord you're angry. And then ask Him to help you. You need to pray. You need to rehearse before God his goodness and all of his benefits. And when you're on your, I'm angry at you, God, kick, then you just get before the Lord and you try and be angry with the Lord when you remember all the benefits that he's poured out on you, right? You need to, you need to look up and you do it in prayer and you, you do it by getting back in the word and reading and studying and, and um, you just you need to, you need to, you need to be a person who looks back. You need to be a person who looks up. And you need to be a person who examines within. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Is there any sin in my life, Lord? Is there something I need to deal with? How do I get this right with you? Or, or, or maybe it's not sinful. Trials are not always, probably most of the time, are not about sin. They're just about this is life. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. It's just the way it is because of sin in our world. And God is giving us the tools to live victoriously, as, as uh, uh, the book of James says, with joy to live uh, through these things. We need to look inward. Finally, brothers, whatever's true and honorable and just, whatever's pure and whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think. Think about these things. Think about these things. Take a look at your heart. No fear. Two more things. If you're wanting to stand, we, we stand um, by asking God to help us. The Bible says, you finish the sentence, if any man lacks wisdom, let him. Okay, so we'll try that again because that was really bad. Okay. I'll come over to this side this time. Very disappointed in you people today. 
If any man lacks wisdom, let him Thank you. Yeah, ask God. Did you guys get that over here? We'll try it over here again now. If this is why you came to church today, then that would be great. If any man lacks wisdom, let him Thank you. Yeah, don't get angry about it. Just answer the question, okay? Let him ask, right? Wisdom. We need to ask God. I'm going through this trial. I'm going through this hurt, Lord. Is there something I have done? If it is, Lord, teach me because I don't want to learn this lesson. I want to get it right the first time. Or if there's sin in my life, Lord, I want to get that dealt with. Or, Lord, if it's a trial for pruning so that I'll grow and be strengthened, Lord, then help me to help me to not only live through it, but find joy in it as I, if you lack wisdom, ask God. Go to the Word. Put on the whole armor of God. You find wisdom in other brothers and sisters in Christ in relationship and build those relationships so you go through this. You don't go through this alone. You go through this with the help of others and with the word of God and through prayer and with the indwelling spirit of God leading and directing. All of that's available for us. But we need to ask and we need to do the right things. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean like, oh, the switch goes off and the trial is over. Paul prayed three times, Lord, take it away, please, Lord, take it away. Lord, please, take it away. God, no, no. You're going to have that for the rest of your life. You're going to have it for the rest of your life, and I'm going to use that even in your life uh, for my glory. Then the last thing I wrote down here is how we stand or find our way through these things is um, through accountability. This is the practical part uh, for us in our Christian life. As I said, it's never meant to be lived in isolation. We do life together in Christ. And when you're struggling, you need people around you. You need people to be praying for you. That's what, that's what I love about our small groups. There's this idea, this concept of accountability. And if you're struggling and you're hiding things from everybody, it's because you know, you're going through it and you're leaning out instead of leaning in. And God will help you as you have people around you who will support you and lovingly tell you the truth. Trials are coming. Trials have purpose. But God's given us everything we need in Christ to be able to stand in our trial. Well, so what? So what? Don't be surprised. Don't be moved. Don't be tempted. God is working. He'll accomplish exactly what he wants to accomplish in your trial, in your struggle. We've got to get our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ and the hope that we have. Uh, somebody asked me last night, they said, but... but but when will the trial end? Well, if I knew the answer to that, I'd write a book and I'd make millions of dollars. When, what do you mean, when will the trial end? Well, the specific trial you're in right now might end as the Lord finishes teaching you this. As I already said with Paul, the trial that he faced, he had it for the rest of his life. So for sure I know this. After your last heartbeat, and after your last breath, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the trials will be all over. And we'll be with God in eternity forever. And that's the hope of every believer in the room. See, trials come. Trials come to everyone. But the Lord is our hope as followers of Jesus Christ as we stand for his glory and for his fame. Sue and I are doing a read through the Bible this year. Uh, Two years ago, we did read through the whole Bible. Last year, we did uh, the New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. And this year, we're back and uh, doing the whole Bible again. I, I told the people in the last service, you need to understand it's not a race unless I'm behind. <laughs> okay. Then suddenly, 
she seems to think it's a race. I, I was reading in uh, Psalms, and I started this service by reading Psalm 20 and verse 1. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. That was just in my reading. That wasn't in my notes until I wrote it in by hand yesterday because I read that. And, and that was in uh, Psalm 20 and verse 1. In Psalm uh, 22 and verse 24, it says this, For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but he has heard when he cried to him. See, God's Word is everything that we need. But if we're not in it, we're not going to be being fed by it. And... Uh, the Lord gave me both of those verses just yesterday as I was getting ready to come and preach this message um, last night and today um, because everything we need to stand in the midst of our struggle is found in the Lord. So in your struggle, I don't know if it's a spiritual battle. I don't know if it's a, a, an attack on you because of your faith. I don't know if it's a situation you're in with your family or with your kids or with your we all are going to face it. If you're not facing it now, you're going to face it. But are you facing it with faith in Christ to help you and lead you and guide you and guard you and all of that for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ? That's the goal. That's our desire. Grounded, even in the midst of the trials that come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray that your word has been a comfort to someone who is struggling and wrestling, Lord, that you would help them with endurance and faithfulness to continue to stand firm and to trust you. I pray for comfort for them. I pray for the one, Lord, who's under trial, and they know exactly why the trials come. They, they could name the sin. They know why they're under what they're under, and, and Lord, that they would get right with you. They would confess their sin, and they would, they would um, yield their path and yield their walk. And, and, Father, they would desire to be like Christ. For the one who's in the midst of it, Lord, and doesn't yet understand. And it's just hard, Lord. It's hard. Help them, Lord. Help us, Lord, to lean into you, Lord. And lean into the people around us who can help us to, to not lose focus and and learn what you're teaching us. And, and Father, to move forward as an example, a model, even as Paul talked about in this birth, that, that we not only would be imitators, but we would be examples. Do this work that Jesus Christ would be glorified in our lives. We pray in his name. Amen.